0: Sal Berry, and Tim Parrish. This is
1: the Puck Junk Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. I'm Sal Berry and with me is Tim Parrish. And today we are going to talk hockey and hockey cards as usual. Tim, what's going on, man?
0: Um, You know, just uh, hanging out here in cardboard world, living the dream
1: cardboard world i like that but you know they say those that live in cardboard houses should not throw anything really
0: i i throw like broken and scotch tape top loaders but that's about it
1: yeah remember you ever see the movie uh uh of the dead yeah remember when he's throwing the records and they're trying to decide like what records they they want to throw at the zombies and yes. which ones they want to hang on to and he's like oh that's purple rain by prince you can't throw that right exactly uh, i feel like we we could like make that like a card challenge type thing like you know like i hand you a a, a, a stack of graded cards but you know so that they have all of some... them get thrown oh okay There, done <laughs> well you said top loaders with tape and you made it sound like a weapon and i'm thinking oh that'd be like a ninja star kind of
0: um yeah I got plenty of like yellowed colored ones too that can, they won't see coming because the sunlight will reflect you know, off of it.
1: Once a cart, a top loader gets yellowed, I just throw it out. At that point, I said, it's done. It's time. Time to give it a proper burial.
0: I keep them. So if I ever decide to like sell stuff or ship it, I can just use crappy ones. So people will complain and give me bad feedback because because they bought the plastic holder not the card right
1: i agree but it depends like if it has some tape on it i usually use it to set i send cards in it and then it becomes somebody else's problem even though i did do a blog post about how to remove tape from top loaders it takes time to like you know rub the goo gone on it and wash it off and stuff and sometimes you just look and go all right it's a top loader with tape i'm gonna send some cards to Tim. So here, I'll just use these top loaders and they just kind of get passed around. You know what I mean? But like, if it's got I don't tape... like
0: it, but I don't get bent out of shape about it. Like some people do. I mean, you know, there's some folks out there that are like, Oh, I'll never use tape ever, 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 which I agree. You don't need to, if you have, you know, if you have like a team bag, you don't need to use tape. I agree. Unless you're going to put like extra tape on the team bag, but now we're just splitting hairs as far as what tape is good tape and what tape is bad tape. So.
1: I think we all agree that the blue painter's tape is the good tape. More or less. And that the scotch tape is the bad tape.
0: Yeah, I use it. I'm interested in those new things. Have you seen those new things? They're like caps to put on top loaders. There's a company that's making these like little sleeve cap things that go on the top of top loaders. They look kind of cool.
1: Folks, if you can't see this because this is an audio podcast, but I am just rolling my eyes.
0: Are you face palming?
1: Hats for bats?
0: Yes, it's hats for bats.
1: Caps, caps for cards, right?
0: Well, you know, whatever works.
1: Like I, said, I don't remember
0: it, what they are. I'd have to look it up. But I, I remember seeing them and they were like these little caps. I thought it was an interesting idea, but just to, just to help seal the top so the stuff doesn't slide out. To avoid using tape. But then it's just another expensive stuff you have to buy. And remember. you're giving it away if you sell the card. So it's like, are you going to increase your shipping and handling costs because you've added an extra 30 cents for this cap on top of your top loader. I don't know. It looks cool, though. Whatever.
1: You know, I mean, a couple shows back, I said how we are officially in the stupid era of card collecting because now we're having all these products that we don't need, like pre-cut cardboard pieces to sandwich your cards in, like when you ship them out and like special cardboard mailers to ship your cards because maybe you don't want to use pre cut cardboard. I mean, we're also getting some cool innovation. We got a lot more supply companies than we did, you know, two years ago. Um, we're seeing some interesting new products, but we're just seeing way too many. I'm sorry, hats for bats or caps for for top loaders. Caps for card holders.
0: I mean, you know that's the thing you got to take the good with the bad you got to take the innovation with the what was that thing called the uh the suck, no the suck cut it sucks oh. as it cuts you know horrible ideas that actually get made into something
1: oh you're talking about the haircut thing the oh flo- yeah, that, well,
0: that was the actual one but if you remember on wayne's world they had the suck cut and they had the guy come on and he was pulling garth's hair He's like, Stop, turn it off, turn it off, man. It's sucking my will to live. <laughs> yeah. They were like, it's the suck cut. It sucks as it cuts. And they're like, Well, it certainly does suck.
1: Yeah. Do we get we we got card innovations that we don't necessarily need. Like, I remember a couple of years ago somebody um this was thrown in the bags at the National, like when you get a VIP package at the National and they give you the goodie bag. And one of the things that they, they gave, it was a um, it was like a rubber band that goes around, like not not around the, the, the middle, but around the top, bottom, and sides of a, uh, a one touch. And it was like, well, you know, if you drop a one touch, it could break open. So this special band goes around it so that it'll keep your card from like falling out if you drop the one touch. I think it was for a one touch. It could have been, you know what? It could have actually been, could have been actually the same product we're talking about now that I think about it. It could have been for a top loader, I don't remember, but I just looked at this and I said, wow, this is a, not a real necessary product, but okay, cool, whatever. Like You're like,
0: who asked for this?
1: And why do right. we have it now?
0: See, I don't remember that one for the one touch. I I remember the, the different color cases for the graded cards so that people could like make necklaces out of them and stuff like that
1: mm-hmm, i've mm-hmm. seen
0: i've seen those where you have the little frame around the whatever the graded slab
1: mm-hmm. is
0: i forget what they call those too. see as you can see we know the names of all of these things because we have them Yeah, right
1: right exactly <laughs> yeah or it's like whatever move on <laughs> Okay, so a couple of quick announcements uh, that I just want to make at the top of the show. Uh, The first thing is, is that the new Puck Junk t-shirt is now in stock at the Puck Junk shop, which is shop.puckjunk.com. It's my fat guy video game t-shirt. So those are now available. Just got them in a couple days ago. They are nice. They look really good. Screen printed professionally on a uh, heavyweight gray T-shirt sizes medium to 4X. So I got you covered, literally. I pretty much got everybody. Every adult over uh, 100 pounds and up is covered if you want one of these shirts.
0: And if you need bigger than 4X, buy a 4X and a medium and just sew them together.
1: Another thing, uh, later this month, I will be setting up at the Chicago Sports Spectacular in Rosemont on March 18th through 20th. So come stop by, say hello. Check out my shirts. Check out my cards. Not check out my cards. Accompany. Oh, check hey,
0: out. we're not getting paid for that. You don't be check out that
1: sales cards, I should <laughs> say. C-O-M-C-O-S-C. Check out sales cards. Yeah, I had to think about that for a second, right? Uh, I could think of a cooler acronym. But uh, yeah, so I will be setting up at the Chicago Sports Spectacular. And I just recently found out that I will be setting up at the National... This July in Atlantic City, New Jersey, I'm going to be setting up with uh, another friend. We will be at the Memory Lane booth. So Memory Lane has like this giant space like they did at the last National. And I will have like a corner of that booth for hockey memorabilia and hockey goodness. So if you're planning on coming to the National, please make it a point to drop by my booth and say, hey, that's it with the updates.
0: I will not be going to the national. How about that? (laughs) So there you go. That's my announcement.
1: Yeah. I mean, honestly, if I wasn't selling at the show, I wouldn't go. I've thought about going to the one in Cleveland, but I guess the thing is, is like, I'm spoiled because I'm in Mm -hmm. Chicago and we get that really awesome show twice a year in March and November, the Chicago sports spectacular show's been called many different things. In fact, Old timers like me, we call it the Sun Time Show because for many, many years it was sponsored by the Sun Times. This is going back to the early 90s.
0: It's been the Sun Times Show. It's been like the TriStar Show. It's been a Mm -hmm. bunch of different things. But yeah, you're right. We get that twice a year and then every other year we get the national. So it's like in a two-year time frame, there's at least five fairly large shows in this area.
1: That is true. And then also I know that for a couple times what they've experimented with was doing a show in June when the National was either in like Cleveland or Atlantic City or somewhere else. Like when on a year that the National wasn't in Chicago, they would do a show in usually like towards the middle to the end of June. And they weren't really great. But still, I would just say, oh, go to the National in Cleveland or "Eh, just go to this three day show in Chicago. And uh check that out. And you know, like I said, that's that's easier. But obviously you go to the national, that's like an entirely different breed of show. I mean, that's when everybody like brings their A game.
0: Or at least attempts to.
1: Right. And you're gonna see all the things that you normally wouldn't see. Like if you just want to window shop and look at all the auction items that you're never gonna bid on. Like I remember like one year, like one of the big auction houses, they had a Wayne Gretzky, it was like a ninety ninety-one White Kings jersey. And I was just like, "Oh, this is so cool. Like, just, you know, but that's gone up a little bit in value since then. A little bit. Yeah, but anyway, uh, so what do you want to talk about first?
0: There's so many things.
1: Folks, please keep in mind that we record the show a little bit ahead of when it launches. So we might talk about something and the current state of events might change between us recording and the podcast being posted. And by that, I mean uh, what's going on in uh, the Ukraine, Ukraine and Russia, Russia invading Ukraine. And obviously, you've seen the news, you you know what's going on. What's interesting is how the hockey community, well, everybody's reacting to this in, in well, pretty much almost – unilaterally the same way. Like, why is Russia doing this? This is terrible. You know, when you think of baseball, you go, yeah, okay, baseball's an international sport. You got people from South America uh, and and some people from Canada, but mostly it's Americans. Like, football, baseball, you think of those as really American sports. Hockey is really become an international game even more so in the past 30 years I mean it used to be like other countries played hockey and like maybe Canada would go and you know beat on them you know in the tournaments until Russia started like doing their Red Army and they're like professionals as amateurs type of stuff in like the 70s and the 80s but I mean really it's like an international game now so I mean of course everybody has an opinion anyway but I think what's just been really interesting over the past like six seven days Is just how everybody in hockey is speaking up about this. I mean, everybody from Wayne Gretzky to Dominic Hasek to Yari Curry uh, to Ovechkin, like begrudgingly making an appearance in front of the media, which, you know, obviously he's conflicted because his family is in Russia and you can't say any bad things and not then say, okay, our Are they going to be alive tomorrow? Are they going to be thrown in prison? Are they going to be killed because I spoke out against Putin? Everybody's is speaking up about this. And this is what I've just found interesting. I I know I keep using the word interesting, maybe because I can't find the right word or a better word. I mean, terrifying, terrible, heart wrenching, depressing. I mean, all of these things go through my mind when I think about this. Yeah. So, Tim, what's on your mind?
0: There's so much I can say about everything that's going on that here's the thing. My overall opinion of the whole entire thing. First of all, a it's irrelevant because my opinion doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. I will say this. I don't support what Russia is doing at all. I don't support what Putin is doing. I think the guy's lost his freaking mind. And he's absolutely out of control because when power goes unchecked, it gets out of control. Right. And let's not sit here and talk about how it was when we were growing up and do a comparison because this is different. You know, we grew up in the, the end of the Cold War era. Yep. I mean, yeah, we're different in age, but we're in the same generation. You know, we had that threat. Our schools had like the drills, you know, where you stick your hand between your legs and kiss your butt goodbye.
1: We had the cover.
0: Yeah, we had that kind of stuff. We lived in the fear of the button being pushed and everybody blowing up the world. And then supposedly it all comes to an end. Let's not sit here and pretend like the Soviet Union went away. It did not, it never did. It was just a cover for everything. And you have Putin in power. And Putin's from the old school and from the old guard. And all the people that surround himself, they're all from that old school mentality. They're all from that old guard. And all of them made all of their money through that whole entire process. Yeah, they all got dumped to the side for a while. They never truly left.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And now the guy's in power. And just as time goes by, it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. Do I think there's other dignitaries or world leaders out there that could probably deal with him better than others absolutely but that's besides the point now because we're at where we're at now here's my take on this whole i have to have validated answers from athletes about politics i think it's garbage first of all i understand that there's reporters and social media and people that feel like they need to find out every single person's opinion about everything so they can decide whether they're team A or team B. I get it. That's the world we live in. But there's absolutely zero reason why any athlete, hockey or otherwise, should be forced to give their opinions on things and what their Social stances on various aspects of the world. They can volunteer the information all they want. Great. I'm all for it. But to sit there and put the spotlight on somebody and throw microphones in their face and basically uh, essentially a- accuse them of something or blame them for something is asinine to me. Here's the example because we're talking about Ovechkin mainly, and, and this is where it was put. You have over time, an opinion not even so much an opinion just a stance that has been given by some russian athletes over the course of this whole entire thing now and even going way back years ago supporting the leader of their country and supporting their country you know ovechkin's been had the target on his back since this whole thing happened because last i checked he still even has a photo of himself and putin as his Instagram picture. Okay, fine, whatever. You know, Malkin has spoken out. Not spoken out, but talked in the past about supporting his country and his leaders and everything else. You know, most recently last year, Panarin spoke out against Mm -hmm. some things that were going on and, and what immediately happened after that. All of a sudden, Panarin disappeared for a while, did he not? He did. Like He left the team, he was gone incommunicado nobody knew what the heck was going on where he went so it's like you can't tell me for one second that these people don't live in fear every single day about their family and their friends and everybody else that they left behind back in that country malkin defected i think a lot of people forget that when malkin got drafted he couldn't come here he had to defect they had to sneak him out of russia to get him here And that was in the mid-2000s.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, I thought we were past that. Yeah, uh...
0: this isn't the late 80s, early 90s when we had to pull the Russian Five and secretly Mm -hmm. get him out. No, this is the mid-2000s when they had to pull Malkin and secretly get him out of the country. So he had to defect to get here. So when people basically say, well, Alex Ovechkin, you support Putin, and look look at what a monster he is you have to remember that Alex Ovechkin was like the Sidney Crosby of Russia. He was bred to be a hockey player from the time he was a little tiny kid. And something to keep in mind is going back to when he was that tiny kid, Putin was still around. Putin had power. He was involved with all of that kind of, all of that kind of stuff, especially with sports because he loves hockey and any of those programs, those national programs, those training programs, everything else, he's more than aware of them and he knows about them. He knew Ovechkin's family. He knew Ovechkin from the time he was a little tiny kid. And he would come around and he's talked to him, and they've, you know, they've known each other for a very, very, very long time. So it's not like this is a relationship of I support Putin because I believe in his politics and I think... I agree that we should invade countries and do all this other stuff. This is more of a matter of I have a relationship with this guy from that I've had from back when I was a kid. So I know him more as a friend, quote-unquote, friend-type right. person than I know him as a political leader and all of that kind of stuff. So it's unfair, I think, to for people to do that. Now, again, I understand why they do it but you can't for one second expect these people to come out and say, I condemn everything that my president has done and blah, blah, blah. They're not from here. They don't have the same rules as here. And you can guarantee that there's gonna be repercussions. You know, we had a president that wasn't very popular and every waking moment of every waking day, people complained and complained and complained and complained. Well, guess what? We live in the United States. You have that right. In Russia, they don't really have that right. Everything's monitored. They can't go out and just say whatever they want. They can try. There might be repercussions, regardless of what those might be. I mean, I don't know if they still have the Gulag or Siberian work camps and stuff, but maybe they do. And who knows what would happen? Now, again, I'm not saying we're at the severity that it was back when the Soviet Union was was at its highest power, but... I don't see – I definitely – let's put it this way, I definitely see the parallel. And, you know, throwing that in the face of athletes and basically putting almost – without saying it putting the blame on them too and saying that you know all these deaths and things are on their heads too that's a bunch of garbage
1: i don't know anybody who's specifically said that sort of thing no like,
0: nobody has specifically said it but that's the stance that that others take and they ah, see these things and they see, they jump that, off though. this oh, i see it all day long I'm, i think
1: what i'm seeing is people are like basically saying if you know, if you're Alex Ovechkin and you're not condemning Putin, then you are supporting him, right? It's that whole black and white thing, or that that like you said, camp A or camp B. There's no. I and don't, we don't live there's...
0: in that space. That's the thing. There is no black and white. Everything's no. in the gray. And if you're if yes. you are black and white, then chances are you're one of the people that everybody else is like. Look at that right wing crazy person. Look at that left wing crazy person. Well,
1: see, here's the thing, though. People don't want that shade of gray. They want black or white because it's easy for them to say, okay, this is what you support and I don't like you, or this is what you support and I like you, right?
0: Yeah, and but you can't live that way and you can't have absolutes like that, especially in a case like this where yes. you're, you're not taking into account all the other circumstances that are involved. And for the fact that he sat there in front of the microphone and he said what he said, like, I don't want war. I don't want to see war. I hope this ends. You know, that kind of stuff. What do you want the guy to say? Seriously. Because you know, Putin knows where his family is. They know where his friends are. They know everybody he's ever associated with. Like I said, there will be repercussions when it comes to that kind of stuff. Now, sanctions and things like that that have been coming down against the country itself, I'm all for But don't target the athletes individually for some you know agenda that you want to get them to say whatever they're going to say so that the whole world turns against them Mm -hmm. it's bad enough getting off of the the soapbox of leave these leave these poor millionaire athletes alone you know the sanction thing i don't necessarily disagree with you know the IIHF came down and said no russia no belarus in any of the competitions Hockey Canada came out and said, yeah, we echo what they say, so anything that's not IIHF-sanctioned tournament-wise, we're not having them here either. Uh, You had earlier, I think it was today or yesterday, FIFA announced that that no Russian teams can be in the soccer tournament. Right. You had a couple KHL teams pull out of the uh, playoffs. Uh, You've had numerous players trying to get their contracts nullified in the KHL so they can leave, especially some ex-NHLers, they want out of there.
1: Yeah, I would want to get the hell out of there. I mean, it's 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 not safe at this point. Yeah. When, uh, you know, one thing that I just want to bring up uh, in regards to the KHL teams pulling out, so the first team to pull out was Jokerit, which is based in Helsinki, Finland, and their team president is former NHLer Yari Curry, which I wasn't aware of that up until now, um, I mean, I know I've known the Joker team forever because they're a powerhouse in the Finnish league. And when they joined the KHL, I thought, well, yeah, they're the best, they're, even if they're not always the champion in the the Finnish league. I mean, you know, that's like, that's basically like their Maple Leafs, if you will. I mean, that's that, that's, that's a prominent team. So um, anyways, Yari Curry said, and I'm just going to read a part of this quote, he said, my position on the end of the season was clear right on Thursday morning. However, in accordance with KHL policies, I had to have discussions with the league. That is why we are unfortunately only able to report this now. So basically he said, hey, as soon as the invasion happened, I was ready to pull us out of the league.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, listen, Something happens on a Thursday and then they say, Okay, it's Friday and we're pulling out of the league. Nobody's gonna be like, Oh, Yari Curry, you're so indecisive. Why did you wait a full twenty-four hours to withdraw your team from the league? You know what I mean? And he's just basically saying, Hey, I would have done this like ASAP, but it had to take me a day, which I-, I thought that was kind of funny. Like, yeah, I'm not wishy-washy about this at all. This is this is messed up. And well, he didn't say this is messed up. Now I'm paraphrasing. I mean, the rest of the quote is The world is going through really difficult times right now. All our thoughts are with the people suffering from the situation. We hope that a peaceful solution to the situation can be found soon.
0: Yeah, and I mean, there's more that goes into it than just, I don't like what this guy's doing, so I'm not going into his tournament. I mean, there's there's way more that goes into it. You got all of your staff that's involved. You got the financial impact on the team. You got all of these other things to consider. And I'm not saying those things are all ahead of, you know, human rights violations and genocide and all of that. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying, but when you're running a business and you're running a team, which is a business, you got to make sure all the I's are dotted and T's are crossed before you go and, and and make a unilateral decision type like that. You Mm got to have everybody on board and, you know, that's what they did. So that's where they are. Well, the other team that pulled out was, uh, Magnetogorsk, right?
1: No, uh, there was, uh, I think there was a third team, but then the second team was uh, Dynamo Riga in Latvia. Uh, oh, Dynamo, Latvia. okay,
0: that's what it was, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, the Dynamo team, that's, I don't know why I said Magnetogorsk. I was thinking of Malkin again, that's why. Mm. Yeah, so, <sighs> look, it's a, I don't want to say this is a situation where there's no right or wrong answer, because I think clearly there's a right answer. Mm-hmm but at the same time i don't think that it's fair that there's a large contingent of people that feel the need to always turn to athletes and their opinions on world issues you know what i'm saying let me
1: ask you this though okay and i agree with you on that so not going to argue with you there what do you think about dominic hashek saying oh the nhl should can't you know should cancel all the russian contracts like basically just get rid of the russian players that are currently playing in the nhl
0: why punish the players
1: i agree 100 percent.
0: the players aren't here playing to represent russia they're here playing to represent themselves and the teams that they're currently playing for
1: yeah it's a job it's 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 their job so too why yeah. would
0: you why would you can them? what does that do what kind of sanction does that place against russia now banning Russia as a team from a tournament where you're representing the country like the Olympics did, Mm -hmm. that's different. That's a completely different scenario. Mm -hmm. But if you're picking individual players out, I I don't know. And I'm not just saying that because we have, because, you know, my favorite team has one of the top Russian stars or because we have, you know, Wayne Gretzky's record that's going to fall with Ovechkin playing and, Mm -hmm. or, you know, highly explosive, electrifying player with Artemi Panarin on the Rangers. I'm not saying it because some of the best players are these guys. Mm-hmm. I'm saying it because if it was any other country, it, it wouldn't matter. You know, where did the NHL ban? I mean, this is, I don't know if this is a bad example or not, but did the NHL ban the... United States players when the U.S. went into Iraq (laughs) the last time around searching for weapons of mass destruction? No. No. Or did the NHL ban the Canadian players when their prime minister or president or whatever the heck he is is uh, a weirdo? (laughs) I don't don't, don't know. Prime minister? Yeah, with the, the whole thing with their... Issues that they're having up there? No. Did everybody in the media stick a microphone in Sidney Crosby's face and say, you need to be the spokesperson for Canada and tell us what you think about the whole trucker mess up there?
1: I never heard it, ever. No, but the thing is, is that when you are the stranger in the strange land, people are going to ask your opinion. Now, I think everybody wanted Ovechkin's opinion because, yes, it is highly publicized that he... In the past, he supported Putin when he was running for reelection. He's known him a long time. I mean, you know, there's like a photo of him handing him a hockey jersey. I mean, they know each other. They they know each other. So right. they known like, each
0: other forever.
1: So they'd want his opinion on that. I just want to give a quick parallel. Just this kind of reminds me of something. Back in two thousand four, I vacationed. I visited a friend in Denmark, and then we also traveled to Sweden. and that was right right at that time, George W. Bush was the U.S. president. And when my friend would say, oh, this is my friend Sal, he's from the United States. Everybody wanted to talk politics with me. Everybody wanted to know my opinion. Everybody had questions for me that I was not prepared to answer. And I kind of joked and I said, hey, you know, I'm just a dude like you who likes to play video games and watch movies. And, you know, I, I know politics, but... You're asking me some stuff that I don't know, you you know, like that I can't I can't answer. Like the one thing that they'd always say to me, and I thought this was funny, but they'd say, what are you going to do about your president? You know, kind of like you'd say to somebody, if like my dog shit on your lawn and you'd say, what are you going to do about that? Right. Like, oh, I'm sorry. I'll clean that up. Right. You know, they'd say, what are you going to do about your president? And I was just like, well, I mean. You know, I, I didn't not vote, vote for, him. for him next time. So
0: huh? there you go. I said, not vote for him next time. So right. I mean, there you
1: go. But I mean, that's the thing, though. So like everybody wanted to know my opinion on this and my opinion on that. And it was just it was funny, like the first few times. But I was there for almost three weeks and it got a little exhausting after a while. I mean, that's not all we talked about. But like it just seemed like every time I was introduced to somebody new, it was like, oh, you're from America. Yeah then there's like a pause and it's like so
0: (laughs) see it violates one of the golden rules and that's never talk about politics or religion and you know that it just gets you into trouble because right and and here we are talking about this only because it's affecting some things that are going on that is a parallel to what it is we talk about on here and i I just want to say that You know, when you when you give your opinion about stuff and I give my opinion about stuff and we talk about things, it's just you and I talking, you know. And, yeah, we have listeners and there's people out there that are listening and you may not agree with anything that I say or something that Sal says. That's fine. We're allowed to disagree on stuff. And I hope none of that like, you know, you hear this first. You know 10 15 minutes of us discussing this stuff and you're like i'm turning this crap off these guys are too political or whatever that's not what this is about this is merely just trying to comment on kind of something that's going on and how it's affecting you know the sport that we love
1: hey real quick if you are listening and you're listening at this point um reach out to us on twitter because i actually want to know do you listen to us on itunes do you listen to us on spotify where are you finding this podcast? So you can either message me at Puck Junk or Tim at the Real DFG on Twitter, and just let us know. Be like, hey, listen to the podcast on Spotify, or listen to the podcast on Podchaser, or listen to it on Google Podcast. Yeah, just curious. You know, just want to know how you're finding our show. Assuming you didn't skip this political conversation. Skip to the good yeah. part. And if you
0: don't part. like it, hit the fast forward button because we're not right.
1: live. So there you go. Right. We're not offended. So uh stadium series. You want to talk stadium series?
0: Yeah, did you get to watch the game at all?
1: Yeah, I or, loved it. Like I said, I like outdoor games, I like pageantry, I like player intros, I like I like all the hoopla and the hubbub. You know, I think part of it is is because I'm a hockey fan who has always been jealous of other sports. So, like, I understand that the Super Bowl is a big deal and I watch the Super Bowl, but like, you know, like oh, we're going to have a pregame show that's like six hours about a game that's only three hours. And then we're going to have a postgame show that's three hours about a game that's only three hours. You know what I mean? Like, um, well, you
0: must be talking the old days because now it's easily 12 on the front and 12 on the
1: back. <laughs> I always like when attention is shown to hockey. When it's like, it's sure. the all-star game and it's going to be on NBC and we're going to have a pregame show and we're going to have a postgame show and we're not going to preempt it for horse racing. You know what I mean? Like, then I'm like, ah, oh, this is cool. So the my only complaint about the um, stadium series is that it was on TNT and not on ABC. Like, I think earlier that day they had a, um, they had the Penguins Rangers game on ABC. They did. And then it was the first game on
0: ABC in years.
1: Yeah, I mean, since
0: since when? The nineties? I don't even. I, I know they talked about it. I don't remember the actual date, but it's been quite a long time. And you know, even though they've had the uh, the games on ESPN, right? That's the first like what do they call it, a simulcast, where they put it over on the other network.
1: I Pretty remember cool. in the. Early 90s, when the NHL came back to ESPN for the 92 93 season, I remember they actually showed some Blackhawks games on ABC. And I remember they showed some Blackhawks home games on ABC, which was a big deal for us in Chicago because they I was didn't say televised. Blackhawks
0: on TV. What?
1: It was a 93 game. And I remember they interviewed. Team owner Bill Wirtz and Bill Wirtz looked as white as a ghost, and he was just saying something, and I'm paraphrasing, but he's just like, Oh, I'm so proud that the Blackhawks can be on, could could be on ABC." And I'm thinking he's probably thinking, "Oh no, my home game is on ABC now. Nobody will come to the games, right?" Like, yeah, so stupid. So but I remember, it's like, on
0: NBC. I'm so proud it's on TV. You're the reason why it's not on TV. So
1: right, right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, he'd always find these loopholes for games to not be televised. Like, um, oh, well, you know, the tick, if the game's not sold out. Well, they were actually always selling out. But anyways, I'm getting off topic here. i um, so
0: glad there's not a Wurtz in charge of the Blackhawks anymore. Uh, oh, oh, wait, never mind.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, that's going <laughs> to probably happen. There's probably going to be a Wurtz running the team long after you and I move on to the I- believe it great hockey rink in the sky um but uh i like the stadium series i i do wish it was on channel 7 or sorry abc's channel 7 in chicago but that's the only thing is like i thought oh this is really cool and it's on cable and i get it everybody has cable now or something sling or hulu or whatever but
0: not everybody apparently because i saw quite a few folks online talking about how They have streaming packages. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if it was YouTube TV or Roku or something like that. But one of those doesn't have TNT as part of the package. Yes. And so there were people that couldn't see the game at all. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was interesting because I assumed TNT was just like a regular old cable station that everybody got when they had that setup, But apparently not. TBS is, I guess, but TNT isn't.
1: Yeah, that's weird. I thought it was just one of those channels that you just got, you know, just one of those run-of-the-mill cable channels that, uh, although, honestly, there's nothing run-of-the-mill about TNT's hockey coverage. I've liked it since day one.
0: Oh, yeah, because it's it's different. It's off the cuff. I mean, it's just like the NBA coverage. It's fun! And it is fun. I mean, I definitely know a lot of longtime hockey fans that are a big fan of it, but I certainly like it. That's for sure. I think the dynamic of the guys that they have on there works really well. If you've never seen like the NBA live show that they put on for basketball, which I've watched that over watching games, just yes. to hear the banter between the guys, that's really what you get out of this. And, they, you know, it needs some work. I mean, they're going to tweak it and do some things. You know, they're figuring out what works, what doesn't. You know, one big complaint I hear all the time is everybody talks over each other all the time. So like somebody will say something and then everybody starts talking and you hear like three different people talking and then you got Liam in the middle trying to do his segue into whatever it is he's doing and you hear Biz over here saying something and talk, its talking about something and Anson Carter jumps in. It's like, there's so much like noise going on because of all the all the voices. But I think that's cool because it's, it's irreverent and different and it it plays into a more progressive type coverage of, of the sport. And I think that's something that hockey needs needs to inject a little liveliness.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You said that, you know, some people who don't like their coverage and they're probably very serious fans or probably very old school fans will tell you why the 1970s Canadians were the best team ever, you know, and, uh, which I, I have thoughts about that, which I'll share for another time. Well, when you hoard all the talent, of course, you're going to be the best team ever. But anyway, um, I
0: changed my statement. Don't talk politics, religion or the 70s Canadians.
1: Yeah, right. You know, I, I agree. I, I feel like five people is too many for that show. If I had to eliminate one, it would be talk it. I like. I, I love Anson Carter. I love Paul Bissonnette and Gretzky is Gretzky.
0: Yeah, Gretzky adds a little – I was really leery about how he usually is because Gretzky, while he's always forthcoming and will talk to anybody and talk about the game and talk about hockey, his interviews are usually really good. They're also in that realm of the pucks in deep kind of thing. Yeah. That's just because where he comes from and and how it always was. And I was kind of afraid he was going to be that – kind of fuddy-duddy, stick-in-the-mud guy in the group. And it really hasn't been that. He well, speaks his mind. He says his opinion. Yes. He doesn't go off the rails necessarily. He does get goaded into a few things from those guys because they just kind of poke and prod at him until he sometimes pushes it a little more out of his comfort zone. But for the most part, he, he holds his own with that group. And you I gotta pull really it out great.
1: of him. You gotta pull it out of him a yeah. little.
0: Yeah, I'm happy. I'm I'm happy with having him on that coverage. Yeah, five is probably too many. I wouldn't necessarily get rid of talk it, but if you want to do four guys, just have one of them be rotating all the time.
1: How, how does the NFL do do with their? Because uh, I always like to me that's like their gold standard is the NFL on Fox, like that show. I don't even. I'm not even a football fan, but I know you got like, was it is James Brown still doing uh, hosting yeah, J- that?
0: JB's on there. With and then Terry you got Bradshaw Terry Bradshaw. And um, uh, Howie Long. Howie Long. Uh,
1: Sometimes you have Dion Sanders. I
0: don't think Dion does. That. I think he's on the NFL Network.
1: Already. Okay. But wasn't he on Fox at one time or no?
0: He might have been.
1: Okay. I get well, them all like, mixed up. But but the thing is, is that to me, that's a fun show. Like, I'll watch that and then just be like, okay, now it's the Bengals and the Seahawks. And I'm just like, okay, I have to change the channel now, right? But, like, that pregame stuff is fun. And that's kind of, like, what I want for the NHL. And that's kind of what we're getting with uh, with the TNT coverage.
0: I wish that TNT would have more... Coverage instead of just the Wednesday game. And the Wednesday games are always the late games.
1: Yeah, they don't do the doubleheaders thing. that often.
0: Yeah, that's they the only thing all that double-headers. to me. You know, East Coast, we have the unfortunate situation of having Central time. I can't imagine having the Eastern time as well, because then it'd be even later.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But, you know, that's just a nitpicky thing. But coverage so far has been really good.
1: I don't think that's nitpicky. I think that if TNT paid money to cover the NHL... I think they should get two games because, you know, it's kind of like Hockey Night in Canada. I love the wall-to-wall coverage for six hours. When TNT has two games, I'm like, all right, I'm just putting the TV on and I'm leaving it on. And I want to hear everything that the guys have to say during intermissions and pregame and postgame. And uh, when it's one game, it's just like, "Mm." you know, I'll still watch it, but... I don't know, maybe at 6.30 they have Gretzky on for that game, and then at 9.30, because I think that's past his bedtime, then they bring out uh, Bissonette for, you know, Biz After Dark, right?
0: It's like they do on NHL Network, too. When they have NHL Live on, and they Mm -hmm. just do the drop-ins on each game that's going on, and they talk about it.
1: Don't like that.
0: I enjoy it, because I like to listen to the guys talk about the game, and you get more of a perspective, because they're actually talking about what's going on rather than the announcers there who generally go off on tangents or you end up with the homer announcers like Boston guys who are just insufferable. But in the yes. case of watching the NFL or the NHL network, like the first half of NHL Live, you usually see one group and then they like end the show and then run the the show starter again. And then it's like a different group. So it might right. be like, it might be the the two x players but then the anchor's different. And so you get a little different uh little different interaction with that. So yeah, I could I could see that as a maybe to mix it up a little bit, but the game itself I thought was good. Mm-hmm. I think it was an entertaining game uh considering all the problems they were having with the ice going into the the week. Right. I think it worked out really well. I don't think there were any major issues with anything. You know, we had Mostly everything that we were, we were gonna have. We even had a fight during a special game, so that was that was cool. A lot of times you don't see those, but um, I'm with you. I like the coverage of it. I thought it was I thought it was pretty good.
1: Yeah. So uh, we got another
0: one coming up here too with the Heritage Classic. So
1: yeah, I mean, okay, I like outdoor games, so I'll watch this one too. In fact, I don't think I ever have actually caught a Heritage Classic for one reason or another. I'll always catch the Winter Classic because it's easy enough to remember January 1. Stadium Series, if if I can catch them, I'll watch them. And, uh, yeah, Heritage Classic, Sabres versus Leafs should be interesting.
0: Well, you know, Heritage Classics aren't promoted that much in the United States. Mm -hmm. They mention them, but they're more of, uh, you know, Canadian-based teams usually. That's where they have them. So sometimes we don't get them. That would be my only criticism of that thing. You know, it is a regular season game, but it's a big game. You know, Mm -hmm. they make a big deal out of it. Why have other games go on at the same time? That's That's the only thing I would... I wonder. You could bring more eyes if that's the only game. You could bring more eyes on it than you would if, well... Yeah, the Penguins played earlier, but let's say the Penguins pl- were playing at the same time. Well, be like, yeah, I want to watch this, but at the same time, I want to watch my own team play.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, if, it, if there was no other option, I could see that. But I get it. It's a regular season game. It's not like something outside the ordinary where it's going to be by itself. They still have to go through the schedule the way they do. But it'd be nice if they could isolate it as its own thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it's been kind of hard again with COVID because.
0: Well, there's been... that too.
1: Moving thing, you know, all of a sudden you have teams playing three games in four nights and stuff like that. It's yeah. pretty crazy. Right. Um so anywho, the Blackhawks sort of hired a new general manager. Yeah. Sort of. Well, they hired their interim general manager.
0: Kyle Davidson?
1: Yeah, Kyle Davidson. So Kyle Davidson was an intern with the Blackhawks twelve years ago. And now he's a general manager. Man, talk about a path to success.
0: So let me get your, as a Blackhawks fan, you know, analytics and all that aside, just as a fan in general. What do you think of that? Because let me give you my outside take on it. Knowing everything that's been going on with the Blackhawks organization and how they're supposedly focusing on change and doing things different and all this other kind of stuff. You have this interim GM that was put in position. Yeah, he's a guy that's been with the organization for a long time and understands the plan of the younger Wurtz and and what he wants to accomplish with this retooling, rebuilding, whatever it is you want to call it. You got this guy in an interim position that you thought, well, he's good enough to point into that job in the temporary and you spend all this time and resource on trying to find a guy, come up with a whole team that's developed of X players and everything else to figure out who the right guy is and interview everybody under the sun, including people outside hockey. Right. To then just turn around and be like, well, we interviewed a hundred people, but the best one is this guy we put in there temporarily. So we're just going to keep him. That to me, I was, Kind of shocked by
1: that. So I'm reminded of a story. I think it was a poem that I remember from like grammar school, and it was like I don't know if it was a poem or if it was like a children's storybook, but it was about this kid like having a dream about. They involve
0: an old lady in a shoe.
1: No, I Um. know that one. Um, But it was it was this kid having a dream about having the perfect parents. And then he realizes that in his dream, it was the parents that he had all along. Like, you know, and I, me being like the kid of like divorced parents and not having like that picturesque storybook childhood that everybody likes to think that like the 50s and 60s was, which, you know, I was before my time. But like, even as a kid, I was just like, well, this is bullshit. Although I was a kid, so I didn't say BS. I probably said, well, this is stupid, right? Like, you know, and it was the parents that I had all along, right? So it was just like, we went out looking for the perfect GM, but we had him all along. Hug, love, happy, right? You know?
0: Yeah, I get it. I can I, I see the parallel, yes.
1: So it was just like, okay, and then the other thing, I I made a joke on Twitter today that I don't think anybody liked. So maybe I'm going to just leave the comedy writing to the comedy writers. But I said, hiring your interim GM to be your GM is like marrying your cousin. I mean, you you didn't go that far. I mean, all right, this is this is why it's effing ridiculous, because the Blackhawks were like, painful in their oversharing of information about, you know, the Blackhawks have completed interviewing Peter Shirelli for job as general manager and our search continues and we'll keep you updated. And here, look, we made this nice graphic for Twitter with this paragraph of text that's centered on a white background with a red border and an Indian head logo at the top. They're like trying to be like above the board, like, like we give a shit, right? Like, unrelated I
0: mean, to this, I think the only people that wanted to see Peter Chiarelli win the job are people that hate the Blackhawks and wanted to see them destroyed.
1: Well, okay, <laughs> I, no, I'm just using him as an example because that. No, was but like, he's
0: he's one they interviewed, so
1: yeah, I know, and he was the 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 name that I recognized the most from that list. I mean, you they know even know.
0: interviewed the assistant GM of the Cubs.
1: Yeah, so talk
0: about going outside the box,
1: which is okay. I like that. Look, I got nothing against Kyle Davidson. He's, like, way more qualified to be a GM than I am, although I am second in my fantasy hockey league right now, but a distant second. But still, second is something. I mean, that uh,
0: gives you at least qualification to be assistant GM.
1: Or assistant to the GM.
0: Yeah, that that works too.
1: (laughs) More coffee, Mr. Davidson. So here's my thoughts. A couple of things. The Blackhawks made a big deal about their GM search where they that's were talking right. about their panel with Marion Hosa and Patrick Sharp, Eddie Olchek. Correct. Okay. So it. I was right. Hosa Sharp and Olchek. Okay. That's a really smart group right there. You got a hall of famer. You got a, a ex college guy who had an awesome career in Patrick Sharp. And then you have Olchek who, I don't know if he went to college cause he got drafted right out of high school and played in the NHL the long ass time. And then became a, a coach and then became like, I'm going to say the most popular hockey analyst in America. I mean, he's.
0: Well, that's the thing. He's got the relationship with the Hawks, being with the organization for so long. He knows everything there is to know about the organization. I mean, other than putting Pat Foley there, who else would you put?
1: (laughs) Right. So, I mean, that's the thing. So, like, these were some smart people here that they put on this committee. And then they just go with the guy that they had all along. Oh, but yeah. actually, before I even get to that conclusion, so they put together this panel of experts. They have their town hall meeting, which blew up in, in their faces, thanks to Rocky Works, which is like, wow, you know. I, I think it's funny, like, when, when you see, like, an NFL or an NBA team owner say something, usually it's something racist. But when they say something, and that's not funny, but you look and you go, yeah, you know, like, of course, that eighty-five-year-old owner of the Cincinnati Reds is a racist. Marge shot. Right, exactly. Yeah. Like it's it's easy to like look at other sports and be like, well, yeah, of course that you know billionaire who owns the um not the Lakers, the other team, the other the other L.A. team basketball team, the Clippers. The Clippers. Yeah, right. Remember, like this was like seven years ago. The the racist emails, and then that was the Clippers, right? Uh, I
0: vaguely remember that, yeah.
1: Well, anyway, so um, I guess what I'm saying is, like, to see a hockey owner just, like, have, like, a terrible moment like that, it, it seems like something you'd expect to see in another sport.
0: You're not necessarily wrong there. That's right. Sure.
1: But anyway, so they get this panel together, they make this big deal, they overpublicize every step in their process, and then they end up with the guy that they had all along. So I'm a little disappointed in that because it's like they were trying to build this up to like be something. And okay maybe they did go. This could be a couple of things. Maybe they're like an NFL team and they're just pretending to interview these other people, but they really have the person picked all along. But they're just kind of going through the the motions or maybe they needed that reassurance like. Hey, we have this guy and he's pretty good, but let's talk to some other people so that if we keep him, at least we know where he's on point, you know, like, or, oh, no, we, we should really get somebody else. I could kind of understand that this is an important job. Right. But to say I'm disappointed. Yeah, I mean, that I know that sounds really mean.
0: It's almost like you come up to the corner and there's the old lady waiting to cross the street. So you put your arm around her to help her across the street. Meanwhile, as you're shouting, hey, everybody, look at me. I'm helping this lady. That's really what I break that down to. It's like you overly publicize you're doing all this stuff and then just turn around and end it like you do.
1: Well, you know, your analogy is perfect because maybe about from around 2016. Right around the last Stanley Cup win and in a couple years after that, the Blackhawks had these ad campaigns that were pretty much just like that, where they would like send like a couple Blackhawks to like a children's hospital and then they would like send a camera crew and then they would like use that as like their commercial. They had another one where it was like a retirement home and they were playing floor hockey. And then they brought Pat Foley to do play-by-play for their floor hockey game. And then they brought their anthem singer, their current anthem singer, to do the anthem before their floor hockey game. And then they did, like, another one where, like, Corey Crawford went to, like, visit this autistic child or something who was, like, a really big fan of his, right? Like, so they would do these commercials. And my joke was the Chicago Blackhawks sent... Four players to a children's hospital and six camera crews to film the whole thing, cause that's right. just what it felt like. And then it would always end with like, you know, for tickets, call one eight hundred. like, we did a nice thing. Buy some tickets.
0: Makes you wonder if there's like a producer off camera. They're like, okay, we're gonna shoot this again. But little kid, can you look more sick and 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 hurt? Yeah. And it's like, does this better? <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. Oh my you yeah. make the perfect little sad eyes.
0: Yeah, that's, I mean, that's kind of what it, it's like. It's like, look at me, I'm doing something good. Right. Not just, I'm doing something good, whatever.
1: So the Blackhawks be like, we're going to change the culture by hiring the guy that already works for the team. Well, okay, he had nothing to do with all that BS from 12 years ago. He was an intern back then, but I'm not, I'm just not seeing it. It's like the great... John Bon Jovi once said, it's all the same, only the names have changed. Yeah. That's how I feel. It's all the same. It's It's all
0: the same, and the names are the same.
1: Oh, yeah, that too.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I feel like we always talk about the Blackhawks, and we always talk about bad things. But they make it too easy to not point out the fact that they're doing weird things that don't make sense
1: i'd like to say that we also talk about other teams too i mean yeah, we kind of talk about the blackhawks and the penguins because that's in our respective wheelhouses
0: we do but it just seems like it's just one thing after another with them lately i, I mean i honestly hope things get better just because i don't want to hear it anymore
1: <laughs> to no. be honest with you <laughs> i agree can we talk hockey carts?
0: yes please all right
1: cool so NHCD National Hockey Card Day happened over the weekend this past Saturday. I, you know, I went to a couple of shops. I got some packs. I know I said, oh, I don't like the design, the stripey, whatever. But y- you know what? It, it's a good set. I like the National Hockey Card Day. Again, whenever attention is put on hockey or hockey collecting, that makes me happy. You know what I mean? I know for years there was like Free Comic Book Day. And then there was like Baseball Card Day sponsored by Tops. So I think it's great that there's a National Hockey Card Day. The inserts were pretty tough pulls this year. I remember about two years ago talking to somebody who uh, was a dealer who just had an extra box. They opened a whole box, and they pretty much, in, in a box of 50 packs, they got all five of the Victory Rookie Blacks and all five of the mascot cards. So that was two years ago. Last year, they were slightly tougher pulls. Maybe you'd get two or three of each in a box of 50. This year you get about two or three of each in a box of 50. So yeah, from what I
0: saw last year most of the boxes that were allotted to the hobby shops pulled two mascot cards Yep, and it was like one black.
1: Yeah it's going to vary a little bit obviously but I remember again I remember in 2020 I remember looking on eBay everybody was selling all five Victory Rookie Blacks as a set. Everybody was selling all five mascot cards as a set. Now, yeah, there were singles, people selling singles. But, like, it seemed like they were easy enough to pull. It's just a matter of Upper Deck fine-tuning that.
0: Easy for everybody but me because this was the first year I ever pulled a Victory block. Yeah. Ever. Out of any packs. And we ended up with a, a Mort Zider from Detroit.
1: Okay. Victory
0: and I noticed it was numbered V18. So I'm guessing there's, what, 20 of these?
1: No, there were five. Are there? In the US and five in Canada.
0: Huh, I wonder why it's numbered 18.
1: Unless they're continuing
0: Continuing the previous year's set. That could could be.
1: Yeah, that could be it. You'll see that sometime. Actually, that kind of annoys me. I know Upper Deck did that when they had those draft cards. That looked like 9091 upper deck Oh, yeah, but it yeah, yeah. came out over multiple years not to be confused with the ones that were i think inserted in sp authentic which makes it even more confusing because you know now you have these cards that use a retro design that are found in different sets and are you have some that are like continuations of other ones and and i don't know but anyway um, we looked
0: we looked at that remember at one of the shows i think you were set up at one of the shows and i was looking at something there and We were trying to figure out what the difference was between one and the other. And we figured out that really the only difference was, other than the fact that at the bottom on the back, it was printed what set it came from, Mm -hmm. was the font. Like the font they used for the number was different Mm -hmm. than Mm -hmm. what it was on each one. But other than that, they looked almost identical.
1: Right. Yeah. Silly
0: for, you know, I can understand it if there's similar sets by different manufacturers, but uh, we got the same manufacturer here.
1: So, anyways, yeah, no complaints here. I'm glad Upper Deck did National Hockey Card Day. I hope they continue to do it. Crazy to think that this has been happening in the U.S. for like, I think this is the 10th year now.
0: Yeah, I know you don't like the design of them, but I like the design. I like those stripes. I think it looks cool.
1: It's different, and I like that.
0: I thought the checklist was very interesting. I still can't get over the fact that they threw Sean McEachern in there. And I talked about that on our last show, but. Oh, he was a I, good
1: American player. He was. <clears throat> he was on the 92 Olympic team.
0: I think we ended up with actually three full sets. And I also had a stack of dupes that I have, if you can believe this, one, two, three, four. I'm looking at it right now. I have five separate trades I'm already making. Excellent. With people that reached out saying, hey, do you have this one? Do you have this one? Do you have this one? Have this one? I'm like, yep, here we go. So... But I'm other than two cards, I'm officially tapped
1: out of doubles now. So, are you part of the NHCD trade group on Facebook?
0: I am, but I never go on there. So, ah,
1: yeah.
0: And like since I like I said, since I'm down to two cards that I have doubles of, I think it's mm. Spencer Knight and Adam Deadmarsh are the only mm. two dupes that I still have left. Yeah,
1: so. you're gonna die with those two, but okay. Probably, maybe, maybe not Knight, but Deadmarsh.
0: That's fine. I think I have a dead Marsh page in my binders and Spencer Knight. Eh, maybe one day he'll have a page.
1: So now let me ask you this. How did you feel seeing a card of Marc-Andre Fleury in a Blackhawks jersey?
0: Well, I mean, I liked it because I wanted to see something new that showed him in his current uniform. So mm-hmm. I thought that was good. I was glad they did that. Mm-hmm. And it didn't bother didn't, me in the least. Didn't, it wasn't
1: like seeing Yager in a Rangers jersey?
0: No. Actually, I didn't mind Yager on the Rangers. It's when he came back and was on Philly. That's what bothered me.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you had Yager in Philly, and I had Chelios in Detroit, so. Yeah.
0: Chelios was in Detroit a lot longer than Yager was in Philly, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, and he accomplished more in Detroit than all the guys in draft picks that he got traded for. Did in like the sum of their careers,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. so um I, I thought it was a cool card. I mean, I, I like, yeah, again, I, I do get it, you're you're right about that. Like it kind of reminded me a little bit of like thinking back to like ninety ninety one when, like that year was like the first year other than like an airbrushed O card or an outlier, like that Gretzky card where he's holding up the King's jersey where you would be like, oh, cool, it's a card of a player, you know, it's Dale Howarchuk, and he's on the Sabres, or it's Dennis Savard, and he's on the Canadians, you know what I mean? Or it's Ron Francis, and he's on the Penguins, right? Like, it was was cool to get those cards, like, mid-season, you know? So it was neat to see that Philip Grubauer card and the uh, Marc-Andre Fleury card.
0: Yeah, the fact that we have a Grubauer card where he's wearing a Kraken uniform, we haven't seen a, a physical card yet with a Kraken player because you know we have two new releases out on the market right now and one soon to be out this week but yeah none of it has Kraken in it and to see a set to come out that's a specialized set for a certain day that are giveaway cards that are also new but to have everybody in their current uniforms across the board I thought that was really cool because you got to think, how long ago did these have to go in production to have them ready to go by that date? Especially considering the delays and everything else. I mean, you figure this had to be a while. I don't think this is something they just threw together in the last month and said, "Here, go print these," and so we can have them ready to go. So
1: National Hockey Card Day.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. No, I mean they they're going to plan that out ahead of time. Yeah. Right.
0: So to have the have those guys in their current uniforms for a. Kind of like a one-off thing like that was was nice to have since we don't have it in the other products yet.
1: Right, fifteen sixteen the Cup Connor McDavid RPA sold for one hundred and
0: forty-four thousand dollars. Yep, highest number on a modern hockey card thus far. Mm. For an RPA, remember these are the Cup RPA, so these aren't like game-used jerseys. Right. So. But still, it's Connor McDavid, so.
1: So, yeah. That's an interesting tidbit. Well, you can oh. add the other tidbit too. It was sold by
0: PWCC. Oh. You know, you take it for take it with a grain of salt. It is what it is.
1: Oh, it's a very big grain of salt. Yes, yeah, maybe. I agree. OPG.
0: Yes. Is a brand of cards. Yes.
1: So okay. 2122 OPG you know that set that usually comes out at the beginning of the season, like right after MVP, but right before Upper Deck Series One, yeah, came that's it. out well into the twenty one twenty two season. I haven't bought any yet, but I think you bought like what four or five cases. Did I hear that right?
0: Uh, pallets
1: actually. Pallets.
0: Pallets of cases. Yeah. Yes. I was searching for that one photo variation card that I couldn't find.
1: One 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 that's one in every five cases. Yes.
0: And it wasn't there, so I'm disappointed. No, I got—I actually got four boxes because, in most cases, for OPG, four boxes get you the vast majority of what you need, and then you can fill in the blanks later on if you're trying to build the set. Because this is the set builder set at a, a whopping 600 cards. So, how'd you do? Um, I did well on the first three boxes. The fourth, not so much um they all came from the same case that much i know
1: okay but
0: the fourth box when we opened it i ended up with way more doubles of the base cards that i Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know the high numbers and the retros and stuff i didn't get any doubles which was good but um and inserts um maybe a couple insert doubles but i think they were the playing card ones so whatever Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I was kind of disappointed with how that box was mostly doubles on the base. So I'm a little further short of what I normally come out with right off the bat.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So once again, here's another year of OPG that's added to my set building list that I have not completed Mm -hmm. and we will continue to search. For the rest of my life to try to complete the set, <laughs> but you know that's part of the that's part of the fun, right? They broke it down kind of like they did last year. So you have uh, 500 base cards, mm-hmm. and then you have the high numbers that are short printed, one out of every two packs, depending on what you pull. Um, it's like a marquee rookie, or they have rookie season review, which are like recaps of players from the end of last year. Um, rookies that were impactful. Uh, team checklists are all included again. They have the league leaders again, and they have mm-hmm. the season season highlights again. So, that rounds out the last 100 cards.
1: Now, you get one short print in every other pack, and if I remember correctly, 18 packs per box, 10 cards per pack. Correct. So, I have not bought Opeachy yet. I have seen some of the images online, and you showed me some of your cards. And I got to tell you, I've collected OPG by Upper Deck starting when it came out in oh six oh seven. Me too. I liked the oh six oh seven design. I bought the 07, 08 design uh, a set, even though I thought the design was a huge step backwards. And actually, for about the first five years or so, I was pretty critical of OPG cards. Like, I love the nine, uh, 2009, 2010 design.
0: Is that the really colorful ones?
1: That's a really colorful one that says OPC really big at the top. Yeah. And then on the side it has like gray borders, but the gray borders has like like the the C from OPC as like a design pattern. Does that yeah, yeah. ring a bell? Yep. Which I thought was really sharp. I thought that was a really cool idea. My problem with Opichi was they'd always put the OPC logo really big, like they were oh. trying to hit you over the head with nostalgia. Uh one year on puck junk or a couple years in a row I would do April Fool's Day blog posts and I did one where it was like Upper Deck Reveals New Opeechee card design and the, the card was a giant Opeechee logo and then in the bottom corner was like a player head shot and the joke was like the logo is so big you only had a little bit of room for the player shot and you know that's like what I, I, I felt like for a lot of those years were like I felt like the Opici logo is overwhelming and it doesn't need to be like this year. They put the Opici logo at the top and at the center, but they make it small. And I like that. Like it's, it's got a place of prominence, but it doesn't have to punch you in the nose. It's just there. And I like that. Like, I think, but like twelve thirteen was the first year I really liked the designs and that's what I started to like, I feel like Upper Deck really got it together where they said, okay, we don't need to make the Opeechee logo big. Let's incorporate it into the the design and not make it like a focal point of the design. Okay, great. And then um, I felt like the designs kind of trended a little more towards retro-esque without riffing on any design too much. And I'm not talking about the retro design, the retro parallels. I'm just talking about like- The
0: in general design.
1: Yeah, it felt old. It started to feel more old school. Those oh six, oh seven, oh seven, oh eight, maybe oh eight, oh nine. I can't remember that design too well. But they actually felt they they kind of look more like early two thousands tops cards, and that that makes sense. I mean, that's the the era. But I I feel like the the newer OP feel older, if that makes sense. Like in a good way. Yeah. But then last year they started printing them on white cardstock which I love, and they got headshots on the back. Black and white, but still very cool.
0: Yeah, so about that, yep. printing on cardstock. It is a better cardstock, but the backs, you can clearly see. It's back to, like, the brown cardboard. Oh, is it? Yes.
1: Oh, no. Um,
0: so it is a better quality stock, so it's not quite as cheap as just the flat out cardboard but it does have the the backs that are now the base cards have like a silver uh silverish blue kind of color printed on them Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: like you just mentioned there are parallels to the base set this year and there usually are but i feel like there's more this year you got a Mm -hmm. blue parallel a red parallel a green parallel um that are all part of the box break actually the green, they call it neon green, border.
1: neon green, and they're numbered out of 50,
0: right? They're numbered out of 50. Uh, and each one of those the backs have the accent color of whatever the fronts are.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So if it's blue border, it's got blue on the back, red bars got red on the back, green and green, so on and so forth. They're not as cheap looking. But they're also not straight up like white, white on white cardstock.
1: See, I like that from last year, the nice white back sides of the cards.
0: Well, you don't get that, but you still get the photo. So there you Yeah,
1: go. but I'm, I, I'd i rather have, like, the, the stronger contrast. I don't like the fact that, like, a lot of those old peachy sets look like they were printed on brown paper bags.
0: Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get rid of that this year. So, mm. sorry.
1: Nah, so, okay. sorry, about,
0: sorry about that. They look like they are printed on a grocery bag, sort of.
1: Last year, I thought, okay, they really got it right. Boom. Perfect card stock. Just go with this, but whatever. You know what? Production. Well it problems. could be,
0: yeah, it could be that they wanted to do that and they couldn't just they couldn't get the material. So they went right. back to the went back to the old standby. Mm-hmm. Which I'm fine with it because I like the design. You know, like you said, they cut down on the size of the the trademark and the branding name. So you focus more on the photo, which I need to bring up the fact that uh, people have opened quite a bit of this and it was already open between the day that it came out and the between the first 24 hours that it came out i saw a ton of stuff hidden mm-hmm. and uh, noticed some things with some photos there are way more than a ton photo variations this year really you know and they always throw in those easter eggs mm-hmm. to watch out for this year there are a lot
1: well, what are some of the easter eggs
0: well one of them is the the marquee rookies mm-hmm. they made 3d versions and they're hmm. like they're not really 3d they're like lenticular almost
1: okay like magic like sport flicks yeah
0: sort of so like the player the player photo on the card sticks out from the background yeah that that's what makes it 3d think of like the old
1: I do in the, the old, game
0: did that one year. Well, the old Kellogg's baseball cards that they did in like the, the early mid eighties, mm-hmm. the three D one. They're they're mm-hmm. very similar to those. So there were those and I don't think those were announced. Um so they made the regular the regular rookies. I think there's I want to say like maybe ten of them, eight or ten of them. And then there are additional ones that are redemptions. Mm-hmm. So in the boxes they put in like a redemption card that's also 3d and it'll have a number of whatever the redemption is corresponding to it so i actually haven't seen any of those pulled but i didn't really look the other thing which they don't announce but it was in last year so we were kind of and it was in the year before so we were kind of expecting it was the platinum preview so they basically roll out a few preview cards of what platinum is going to look like which we always know that it looks just like the base cards just mm-hmm. shiny. Right. Um, So those are included in there as well. I actually got one. I got a Crosby, and I was happy. Nice. Um, But it was just the base one. But they have all the colors in there, too, like the matte pink, the cosmic, the gold, the checkers, and all that. So those are all included in there, too. So the tall boys are back, which are the they mimic what a tall boy card would be. But essentially, it's the same same height as a normal card. It's just skinny. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, they made full size ones so it's the tall boy design but it's the same size as a regular card
1: so it's just the size of a regular okay yeah, yeah
0: wow but, so it's the regular size card but it's the tall boy design
1: mm-hmm.
0: so if you're opening a box watch out for that because it's easy to just mix in with the rest of your stuff just like okay whatever it's di- it is different so those that that's something else. You know, the blank backs they never announce, but they're always included. But yeah, the photo variations, there's so many. So they've got pregame photo variations, which generally have guys in like their warm-up jerseys, which are usually some kind of theme for whatever that night is at the game right. or whatever's going on. So there's pregame ones, there's post-game ones, which I've seen quite a few of those players doing something after the game a lot of it's like signing autographs in the tunnel or you know handing somebody a puck through the crowd or doing something of that that mm-hmm. nature or a celebration or something like that. there's um, was like black and white versions essentially instead of color it's black and white. The tricky one is the headshot card. So what they did is essentially take a normal photo and they zoomed in like real close to the head. So instead of having the mostly full body shot, like most of the cards are, where they're usually from the knees up, this is like from the letters up.
1: So almost like the retro parallels that just have like the close up.
0: Yeah, but it's going to be like that on the regular card rather than the other design. That's a tricky one because there's a lot of regular cards that the photo looks zoomed in, but it's Mm -hmm. not because that's the regular photo. You have to be on the lookout for those. And as more and more of them are discovered, you'll find checklists of them that are living, breathing organisms online where you can go and kind of see if if what you pulled is what it's supposed to look like or if it's one of the special ones. Because the other things they have, they have jerseys. So there'll be a card where it shows a guy in the regular jersey just like the rest of them. And then you'll all of a sudden find the same card and he's wearing a white jersey instead or a green jersey or whatever it's different. So there's those photo variations. I even think they had, and I don't know if they have one of these for a lot of the players, but I think I've even seen a couple where they're calling them um, signing variations where it shows a player like signing autographs and it's like supposed to be like a whole run of photo variations like that. I think I've only seen one of those thus far, but there's a lot. Like I said, there's a lot. Of different things in here to look for so it isn't just like uh rip a bunch of base card oh wait there's no hits all this stuff sucks well it's not for hits you know it's not autograph driven it's not memorabilia driven right it's set builder driven and you know just for the fun of it and it was a lot of fun to bust through all this
1: let me ask you a question so if every other pack has a short print Yes. Do the packs that didn't have a short print? Did they have an insert?
0: Uh, pretty much.
1: So pretty much, you got eighteen special cards per box. Either nine short prints and nine other cards. Does that sound about right?
0: Yeah. With between everything that's in there, because you're going to get, you know, you're going to get blue parallels. You're going to get red parallels. You have a shot at the green parallels, which are numbered. You're going to get the black retros, that mm-hmm. are numbered out of a hundred which by the way have green backs to them, hmm. which really look interesting. And I did notice that the numbering on them, the stamp numbering that they have for player cards, it's on the bottom and for mm-hmm. team cards, it's on the top. Hmm. So anyway, that's neither here nor there. So you have all of those differences. Plus you have the playing cards that are included and you have the tall boys. So there's there's a lot of stuff that you can get out of there. and not that there aren't any hits, because there are, but they're much more rare. Uh, they brought back the manufactured trophy patches and the team patches, again, which even though they don't sell for a lot a lot of times on the secondary market, people still seem to like them because they look cool, especially in a collection if you're doing a player collection or something. They look really nice.
1: But they're not um, embroidered. They're screened.
0: They're yeah, the, the, the trophy cards are screen printed. And I think some of the other patch cards for the teams are also that. And again, previous years, those patches were actually patches. Mm -hmm. The trophy cards, I think, have always been more or less looking like they're screen printed. Mm -hmm. But some of the patch cards were actually patches. I think this year they're all like that. And again, I think that goes back to the supply chain thing about not Mm -hmm. being able to get it. Kind of like when we had Styrene Gate with the... Oh, God. The... the, uh,
1: Mailbox know, with, numbers.
0: Yeah, with chronology and all that back when that happened. But yeah, you know, those are a little harder pulls Um, I got two of the trophies. One of them was the um I think we had the Pasternak with the Richard trophy. And we ended up with a Dominic Hashik heart trophy one, which the heart trophy ones are a little more rare, supposedly, harder to find. I think the they're like one out of sixteen hundred or something or or something like that, some huge number. you're gonna get a lot of extra stuff that's not just a base card. Let's put it that way. which makes it fun. It's more interesting.
1: yeah, I agree. I always kind of go back and forth on this like there's like that perfect balance of too many inserts and parallels. I always feel like upper deck does a few too many parallels. and I think that like sometimes, I get frustrated when there's too many inserts because it's like, okay, I really want to finish the base set, but, you know, you put in all these extra cards, so now I have to buy another box. I get the idea is to make you buy another box, but it's like, if you are buying, let's say you're buying a bag of Hershey's Kisses, right, and they're chocolate, right, because you want to eat chocolate, but one out of every five was a vanilla one. If you got a vanilla one, you'd be like, oh, that's kind of a nice change of pace, but if you bought a Bag of chocolates or a box of chocolates, and like every fourth one was not chocolate, you'd be kind of annoyed. You'd be like, uh, okay, I i don't need this one. I don't need this one. I don't need this one. You know, you know what I mean? Like,
0: don't think you're going to be overwhelmed necessarily with the yeah, parallel. Like I said, cause... it's
1: a, it's a, it's a, there's a balance, right? Like, yeah. if it's not overwhelming, it's fun. When you're like, ah, too many, you know, a red parallel and a yellow parallel and a green parallel and a blue parallel and,
0: yeah like with those colors this year the blues are one out of three so you're gonna get like six in a box right uh the reds are one out of a box so you're only gonna get one right and the, and the greens are numbered out of 50 so you may not get any in a box you may not get any in three boxes yeah so it's not too overwhelming when it comes to that and Opichi for years has always had you know you've always had the retro parallels right and those are usually one per pack or one every other pack and if you don't get a retro parallel on a pack, you're usually getting a high number base card, whether it's a rookie or a league leader or whatever it is. So those are covered on both ends. But you get the black paralleled retros too. They're so, numbered out of a hundred. I think we ended up with at least one in each box.
1: Yeah, that sounds couple about boxes right. Couple boxes
0: had couple boxes had two. Really? So I think because I think we had out of four boxes, I think we got six black retros.
1: Wow, okay. Which is pretty good.
0: No blank backs. You know, for the last probably six years, I've gotten at least one blank back out of a box.
1: I've got really no use for blank backs.
0: Yeah, I don't either. Sometimes they're kind of cool, but when they're more rare like this, it's all right. I'm fine with it, especially because they're the retro ones. I'd rather have those than a base card blank back, unlike, you know, the 72 year in hockey set that in the game did where mm-hmm. they intentionally made blank backs and it yes. was like you you got like 3 in a box that were blank backs so you know I've seen full sets of blank backs from that year going for pretty cheap and I'm thinking aren't these rare but you go back and look and they weren't cuz they were intentional but you know these are a little rare what you don't see and I didn't see in any of these boxes were the foil cards I didn't get any I've seen some people that did they look really nice but I didn't get any foil parallels out of any any of what I opened. However, However I, did, I did get one of everybody's favorite card. Oh. And that is a printing plate. Oh, really? Yes. One box had a printing plate in it. And it's of Minnesota current Minnesota Wild, Ryan Hartman. <laughs> Blackhawk legend, Ryan Hartman.
1: Blackhawk legend, yeah.
0: Yeah. And I ended up with the black printing plate his so anybody that's a ryan hartman collector that's trying to get all four printing plates you can't because i have one so there you go so i've never pulled a printing plate out of opg so i thought that was interesting and weird at the same time so yeah it was fun i mean it was really fun to, to go through this and see everything that was in there and you know try to piece together my checklist for my set and everything else and it was it was an interesting change of pace to have the extra parallel cards that you wouldn't normally see.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so I kind of like that. And the fact that one of them was numbered, I thought it was kind of cool outside of the, the retro blacks. And the fact that we got a couple trophy winner cards, that was cool too. So I think we beat the odds on the four boxes that we got. So I was happy with it.
1: I don't remember Opeachy doing uh, printing plates in the past. This feels new to me.
0: I don't know so much if it's new, rare, or just because it's a printing plate.
1: The one player that I've collected obsessively over the past seven years is Carter Hutton. So I have not all his printing plates, but I have a good number of printing plates from various sets. Like, you know, if he had a printing plate from last year's Opeechee set, I probably would have had one, but I don't, right? And I don't see it listed. I mean, I, I keep track of his cards and I see like a printing plate for like 40 50 bucks I'll buy it you know what I mean cuz nobody else collects him so like looking at this list I'm like I know he's not in this year's set which is too bad cuz I was kind of hoping he he would be but uh cuz he's again he's a player that I collect and it's not like you know a Sidney Crosby type player where everybody's going to be driving up the price of his cards so I'm like looking at this and I'm like wow blue border Red border, neon green border, printing plates, retro, retro black, retro printing plates. I'm like, wow, those would be fun to pick up of this particular player that I collect, but not happening for me. So,
0: yeah, it would definitely be hard to find them all because I'm sure some of them won't be unearthed, at least for a while. Part of the fun is the chase. But, you know, if the stuff never sees the light of day, then you're chasing your tail
1: at that point probably collect OPG this year. I've been buying it every year. I want to say there's one year I don't have. I want to say like 11, 12 I don't have. I know I have 910. I have 10. I have 0607 complete. 0708 complete and I bought like a crazy amount of 0708. 0808 oh, no, Well I don't know. Fooling <laughs> his money, right? And then The next couple of years, I think I have complete sets. And then 12, 13 was the year I went crazy and bought a case. And then after that, I've kind of just been like, I'll buy a base set and then I'll try to just get the rest of the cards, like, through you know, the short prints through trades and whatnot. But that's slow going as usual.
0: Well, for the player collectors and the team collectors, there's a lot to go after in this set because of all those photo variations. Oh, I know the other thing I was going to point out. again on the photo variations be careful if you're opening this be careful with the marquee rookies because the photo variations go through the marquee rookies as well and the cards are completely different completely different so whereas you might have like a close-up headshot of a player and it's a headshot variation it's not labeled as a marquee rookie anymore so the design of the card that normally says marquee rookie and Ray Crew De Reynolme on the top Mm -hmm. with the Opici logo on the bottom, their photo variation, the border of the card is like the regular base card.
1: Interesting. Okay. So,
0: for instance, if you pull like Cole Caulfield, Mm -hmm. so his marquee rookie looks like all the rest of them, but he has a black and white photo variation. Obviously, if you see that, you'll tell, oh, it's black and white, but it's on the base card design. Mm-hmm. He also has a photo variation of the base card design, where it's a zoomed-in um, photo.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But it's different than the other two pictures. So the Marquee Rookie one that's labeled that has one photo, the black and white has a different photo, and the zoomed-in one has a third photo. Wow. There's three different pictures that they used on those. They did the same thing on the Quentin Byfield one the who's that guy from tampa bay that rookie alex beret boulet his card not only does he have two different versions but he has a uniform variation card and it looks just like a regular card because it's in color his uniform has got the purple accent on the shoulder and the purple stripes on the arms and the underneath so you have to be really like On the lookout for this kind of stuff as you're going through here jamie drysdale is another one he's got a card with him in a green green jersey it's all green like i don't know if it's st patrick's day or what it is but it's all green and it looks just like a regular base card it's not labeled rookie but it's a photo variation of the other card so yeah there's a lot of surprise type stuff and things to look for once i sorted everything i think i went back through my stack Twice or three times just to double check and make sure. And I did find one photo variation out of all of that that I ended up with.
1: So one in four boxes, huh?
0: Yeah, I found one in four boxes. If there's more, I don't know because I didn't notice them. So I could probably go back through like a fifth time, but I really don't want to.
1: Yeah, and (laughs) I think that starts to become a little bit of a chore. Like I like the fact that on last year's opg platinum on the back of the cards they put like sunset or they put like you know the different parallel name yeah and i I appreciate that especially because when you're sorting the cards when you sort the cards you're looking at the backs right? and so if the back doesn't look different you're going to assume it's the same right like maybe when you open the cards you look at the fronts but then when you have a stack of them on your table then you flip you know you're going through the backs and you're sorting them so i appreciate when it's flagged as like hey this card is different be sure yeah. to put it in a different pile like
0: none of these are like that so i can tell you
1: that yeah so it becomes it becomes work
0: yeah because i think number 125 in there is andre svechnikoff and that's the one that i noticed because it was a way zoomed in photo I did not get the base card for Svetchnikov, but Hmm. I did get the blue parallel. And I noticed the blue parallel was like the normal full body shot. Right. I'm like, well, this is supposed to be the same as the base card, so this must be the base photo. So I have this headshot photo. Well, when I looked at the list that's been built so far, they don't even show that as one of the inserts or one of the variations. They show a pregame jersey. It's the whale jersey, the gray one with the whalers logo on it mm-hmm. but they didn't show that there was a headshot version well i know there is one because i pulled one
1: right and that's the thing is like you almost maybe get a little gun shy about trading until you're like positive that it is not a rare variant right well i guess if you have an extra of it then you would know right because that you was had- part of
0: the problem because i didn't So I was like, well, I need card 125. Well, do I need it? Because I have this, but it's really not. So I was like, screw it. I'm just sticking it in the set.
1: (laughs) And that's what I did. It's your set. You could do what you want. It was like a 10-11 score. My 10-11 score hockey set is actually a mixture of the glossy parallels and the regular cards. Because you know what? When I put them in nine pocket pages look the same i can't can't tell which is the glossy one and which one's not the glossy one
0: yeah i did notice that in my penguin binder for score that i have for that year but if you hold the page in a certain way you can see the difference Mm. even through the plastic because one has a little more shine than the other one so i separated
1: mine well i'll tell you i
0: get i get your point and the willingness to not want to do that because I've been building those same score sets for all these years. I still haven't completed them, but if I did combine them, I would probably have the sets done because I have that many glossy parallels.
1: Well, 1011. The next year they did 1112. They they switched over to the gold parallel, which was a better idea.
0: Definitely changing the color to
1: mix it up. Heck, they did gold parallels in the uh, update set for 1011. Because even then they realized, yeah, that was a dumb idea. We're going to do, like, the here's the whole set. Oh, and five extra cards that have a little more gloss on the front of them. Yay.
0: Was it the following year they brought the glossy back then, and they wrote on the back, though, this time that it was glossy? I don't remember. One of them did because it says glossy by the number in the corner.
1: Oh, okay. Well, you know, I gave up on score after that first year. Although I do think I have a couple of sets that I'm building but I want to say it was because it could have been you, it could have been somebody else said, here's a bunch of scorecards, Sal. And I said, oh, okay, I guess I'm building this set now because I have like 400 out of 600 cards. You know, that's kind of funny how there, there are like certain sets that I never bought. Like people like you and like our buddy Justin, who's a uh, blogger for the Raw Charge Lightning blog, he used to live in Chicago and the three of us used to meet up at the shows and we would trade cards with each other. But a lot of times you guys would just be like, oh, here, you want to build this year's OP Here's a bunch of base cards. And then Justin would give me a bunch of base cards. And there was another guy that used to trade with us, Nick. And so I remember like one year between the three of you guys just giving me cards. I ended up with like a full base set of something or maybe 50 cards shy of like a 500 card base set. It was-
0: well, and that's the thing. You know, here I had four boxes and the fourth box was almost all base doubles. So it's like... What am I supposed to do with a three-inch stack of Wapichi Doubles other than trade them away?
1: Yeah, that's a little depressing. But at least I guess if they're Doubles and you compared the fronts and they look the same, then you can feel confident about trading them.
0: Yeah, as far as I know, there's no... I don't think there's anything weird in there.
1: You know, speaking of that score set, though, I'm going to probably have to start, like, pruning some of the sets off of my shelf because I'm almost out of shelf space and I love putting cards in pages. But I try to do it only to the sets that I know that I'm going to want to look back at for one reason or another. Like I'm going to write a blog post about this set one day, so I want to have it in pages so I can, you know, go through it or uh, this is a set that I've wanted for a long time and I'm so happy to have it like the 94 95 tops finest set that I peeled all the uh, protective coatings off of and put in the pages like for a long time i've wanted that set and like i've had a ninety four ninety five stadium club set for a long time and because the finest set doesn't take up a full two inch binder i was also able to put the stadium club set in there but i'm like going through it i'm like man this is a really nice set i like it and it's something i'm definitely going to refer back to remember before wikipedia and the internet having a shelf of encyclopedias and just like randomly one day saying I want to learn more about crocodiles and you grab the C volume and then you read the Encyclopedia Americana or Britannica if you had that kind of money entry on crocodiles right you know that that's that's kind of like what I'm like with hockey cards where like sometimes I'll be like man, I just want to look at, you know, some 70s cards. And I'll, like, pull out my 73, 74 set and go through it and notice something that maybe I didn't notice, you know, 10 years ago when I built the set by hand. You know what I mean? I, I like that. But then I look and I go, which of these sets did I just kind of put into pages and on my shelf out of habit? And I feel like a lot of those 2010, 11, 11, 12, 12, 13 Panini sets are probably going to get... Taken out of the pages and put in the boxes and put in the closet and not really looked at for a while.
0: Is that because you're trying to save on pages? No, I could buy. Or you just want to? You just want to replace it with a better, more quality, usable set.
1: That's exactly it. Like I love the '91, '92 score hockey sets. You know, there were the, the American had like the purple border and then the Canadian had like the blue or the red borders. And I have a complete 660 card, 9192 Canadian set, but it's the English only version, which took me a while to track down and not pay, you know, $30 for shipping from Canada. I think I bought it from a U.S. seller. So to me, that was kind of like not a grail because it's not a particularly tough set to find, but it was a goal. And I want to put that in pages, but I just don't have the room for it now. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or
1: like, I have a complete 94-95 Pinnacle set. And it's an ugly set, but it's got the the Patrick Kane card. But I actually kind of want to put that set into pages because I finally finished it. And, you know, so like, there are like certain sets. I have like a 98-99 Collector's Choice set that's complete. And I want to put it in pages, but I just don't have the room for it. I'd rather go through that and look at that than like, you know, a a 10-11 Donruss set. Sorry, but it's true. Well, that's fine. No, especially, I mean you know. But you you
0: have... up those encyclopedias, though, because my grandparents used to have a set of World Books.
1: Yes. I was
0: a kid. that were really, really old, and I would always look through them. And as I was sitting there as a kid, I just, I just remember the uh, in C it had listed the uh, civil rights movement and it called it "A Changes on the Horizon." And there was oh, like wow. a paragraph this big, so that tells you how old those encyclopedias were.
1: Wow. <laughs>
0: yeah so pretty old stuff
1: yeah that's that's funny but you are
0: the encyclopedia of hockey cards so
1: well that's kind of what i wanted my collection to look like when i when i show the pictures of like all my card binders on the shelf all neat with like spine labels and stuff of course i could look online and find an image of the card but you know 10 years ago you couldn't i mean trading card db is a wonderful, wonderful resource. If you don't know that website, you should have it bookmarked. You should register for it. It's a great site, but it's cool to just grab a book off the shelf and start looking at it. I mean, that that gives me joy. And I mean, you know, we collect the way we want to collect and we enjoy our collections the way we want to enjoy them. And, and I think there's something great about that. Everybody, you know, there's no wrong way.
0: Yeah, I agree. We say it all the time, collect what you like and collect how you like. So if you want to put all your cards in binders, do it. If you want to put all your cards in top loaders with scotch tape on top, do it. If you want to get your cards graded, do it. I'm not going to do it, but feel free.
1: Anything else you want to add before we uh, call this one a show?
0: I don't want to use that term, don't sleep on Opeachy, but if you want a really fun set and it's accessible to you wherever you're at, do it. Highly recommend.
1: I recommend it too, even though I don't have it yet. I've been a fan of it every year, so I don't see why I wouldn't be a fan of it this year. Definitely something I'm going to probably buy, maybe buy a base set and build the rest. Who knows? But either way, like I said, I've really enjoyed OPG. For almost the past 10 years now, I've really been a fan of it. So yeah, go for it. Do it. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. If you happen to listen to this show on Apple iTunes or Apple Podcasts, please leave this show a review. Give us a rating if you can, and please give us a review. If you have any feedback about this show, hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Puck Junk. Tim is at the Real DFG. And until next time, collect what you like.
0: For more hockey goodness, follow us on Twitter at PuckJunk.